0: Hello, Podsters! Welcome to third episode of Podchat. Chat. Let's dive into the conversation of Ankush and Shivam. Today, they'll be talking about gamma ray bursts and neutron stars. Thank you so much for having me here and agreeing to have this talk with me. Can you give a brief introduction of uh, who you are and what you're currently doing, what you're going to be working on? So who
1: am I? Uh, my name is Akshay, and uh, I like to look at stars.
0: If that's that's something that I do like, to, you know. Look at. And hold up, you get paid and, to do that? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a you beautiful get paid thing about it. Like we get paid to look up. <laughs>
1: that's a beautiful thing. And apparently, we can convince people. That's the entire thing about astronomy is that you try and convince people to pay you, do what you love doing, which is look up all day, all day. We sleep during the days. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> so how did and you get into this? Okay. Of looking into the starlessness?
1: Yeah, so the first time I still remember, the first time I looked at the Milky Way Galaxy. That was the moment, that was I think so around 11, 12-ish years ago. And that's where I realized that, okay, this is something that I would like to dedicate my life, like learning about it. And I still remember it was at this place called Saralma. And uh, I still remember the first time I saw I literally cried like uh, tears came out because see then again you look at city folks so I've been living in the city for all my life I still do unfortunately and uh, we don't see the stars right we look up and all we can see is probably one star which is the chances of that star being a planet is pretty high (laughs) so we can't even see stars we probably see planets morning star that's actually a planet, it's Venus. Like, for a city folk to go out there and uh, look at the universe or what humans thought of, you know, as their universe, that is, at one time, like this, is, this is a fact, actually, look it up, uh, Einstein used to believe, at, at that time, they used to believe properly, like, in, in, like, the whole scientific community used to believe that... Uh, our galaxy is the only ah, galaxy. Yes, yes. And uh, Herschel had uh, like a lot of free time in his hand. So he drew the map of our galaxy with sun in the middle.
0: And this is the William Herschel that we are talking about. Yes, yes, yes.
1: That thing sort of carried on till Einstein, till Hubble came along and discovered that these things that we call nebulae out there or the more technical term for it would be spiral nebulae are actually galaxies outside a galaxy. So they, they were their own... Pocket Universe. So probably that's where the idea of multiverse came into. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's... That, that and then and
0: eventually people realized that it's not Pocket universes. It's just one big universe and uh, yeah, a lot and of galaxies. there are galaxies in there. Okay.
1: Uh, but now Spider-Man has come up And people <laughs> have been saying stuff like Oh, yeah, I mean What if, what if this?" And Haw- Hawking Like uh, this fellow uh, Stephen Hawking he, was, he also made this Multiverse hypothesis Hypothesis Because it still hasn't been uh, He made this thing popular where he said that there might be a universe out there where you are probably dating M.O. Watson. I right. unfortunately, we are not in that universe, but we Like, as, as they say, no, ki, um, our universe is like one of those universes where if something goes wrong, it will go wrong. So, probably because of that, uh, we haven't had the opportunity to yet. So, our universe is no, like the
0: the leftovers. All the bad things will happen in this universe. No, I'm not <laughs> sure. I
1: don't want to say anything like that because... <laughs> you don't uh, want to jinx it. Yeah, I don't want to jinx it because then if something wrong actually happens, then people are going to be like, this <laughs> This was the guy who said that and this guy is the problem figure. Just uh, get a hold of this fellow. So, yeah. Now, coming back to
0: the topic. Oh, yeah, I actually wanted How? to ask you, yeah, uh, yeah. you said that uh, we are living in a city, unfortunately. So, were you born and brought up in the city? Yes,
1: yes. I was born okay. and brought up in Bombay, and uh, uh, unfortunately, I never saw the stars. But <laughs> then again, my universe changed when I <laughs> went for one star using and that night changed my life. Okay. And uh, that is this momentum, like in my dark times. That's that's the moment. That's the moment where I go back.
0: And also, uh, when you saw the Milky Way, who were you with? With your friends? With your family? Yeah, with
1: my friends. Uh, we were five people from mm-hmm. my college. And uh, we had no clue how to use the telescope and we figured it out within like a night. So it was actually, it was part of this course that I was doing from uh, Nehru Planetarium. So one of the things that is good is your local planetarium would have courses where uh, you go and they will teach you about basic astronomy and they also have stargazing events and everything it happens with every planetarium so you could like reach out to them it's kind of their job to uh, popularize astronomy so that's what they do so yeah i did that and uh, fortunately i was exposed to a beautiful universe out there that kind of the way I think. And, and what was
0: the reaction of your parents when you told them that i want to Make a you living like out of my, looking at stars. <laughs> yeah, it,
1: it, it was as good as coming out to your parents and being like, uh, I like guys. <laughs> you
0: know, so it's so like, they didn't. Uh,
1: so my, my son is not, my dad was like, I'm not My son is not going to make money. So do whatever you want. So they started making money so that, you know, my future <laughs> is kind of uh,
0: same Oh my God, being, okay. And are they now, like, uh, they on cool your side? It now. Yeah, now they are, are cool with it. Now they are cool with it. Much more cool than before. Okay. Right. Initially, they were not. And
1: there was quite a lot of resistance because they were like, hey, why not become a doctor, do uh, you know? some Something that pays your bills and all. But then I was like, okay, eh, bills. I mean, I need to ensure that I make enough to pay my bills. But other than that, the rest is just, I would say, useless for me. So, the like, excess money is kind of useless. So, I might as well make enough so that I can make a living out of it and then continue with the passion. So, yeah. And also,
0: about looking at stars, uh, yeah. I think it would be nice if I uh, let the listeners know that you are not just someone who looks at the stars, but you have also done your masters in astrophysics. So, I've that's not something. I have yeah.
1: done my masters in physics, and my project was in astrophysics. But the thing is key astronomy was something that was never taught officially. So, whatever I learned, I learned through Google and trust me, the things that you can learn through Google these days, it just <laughs> blows my mind because make use of the resources that you have. So, yeah, I made use of that and I learned astronomy.
0: So, you had your master's in physics, but you did your master's thesis in astrophysics. Yes, in astrophysics. Can you talk physics. a little bit about your thesis? Uh,
1: so, my thesis work was on neutron stars. So basically, think of neutron stars like uh, nuclei of atoms. Just to give you an idea of what the scale we are, what scale we are talking about, take a uh, one day stadium, right? If that's your nuclei, take the cricket ball that you have, right? Keep it at the middle of one day stadium. Okay, that would be your nuclei. That's where all of your mass in your body is concentrated, and electrons be sort of like uh, you could say flies on the pavilion, <laughs> and the entirety of Wankhede Stadium would be the atom. So you are mostly empty space, and most of your mass, all of your mass, actually, is concentrated in that nuclei, right? And you are made up of trillions and trillions of uh, such atoms. Take that nuclei and make it a ten kilometer big. Nuclei in real life. Okay. And a nuclei which is that big, right? A neutron star is somewhat like that.
0: So, it's not just to like correct you a little yeah. bit. It's not that the uh, nuclei is getting bigger. It's just that it's inc- the, the, n- the number of things in it yeah. is increasing. So, it's
1: basically, you take a nuclei the size of like almost half a centimeter. Okay. Okay. And uh, what you do is you have the nuclei at the center, mm-hmm. right? The density of that nuclei, you take a ball which is that big, right, like 10 kilometers big, right, and the density of that ball would be comparable, a very, very solid ball, and that's <laughs> that's what we call as a neutron star. A neutron, why? Because it's primarily made up of neutron, uh, the outermost layer is kind of that, uh, it has a very thin layer of iron on top of it, okay. but uh, most of it is just neutrons and majority, and that's why it's called the neutron star. And I, my work was to study neutron stars around stars like
0: our sun. Right? Neutron stars around stars like our sun, like which are in a binary system with In a, a star binary like our system,
1: yes. Like, basically, uh, think of them like going around each other. Or rather, the neutron star going around the main star, main sequence star, that's what we call it, a star like our sun, which is primarily burning hydrogen. And uh, imagine the nuclei with a 10-kilometer big sphere nuclei like big big nuclei kind of sphere like super dense sphere which is going around the star and almost the the mass of that is almost comparable to the mass of our sun actually a bit more than that but fine right and what happens is when these kind of things they orbit each other right and the and that neutron star is actually very close to the host star that's what we call them as right they take in a lot of matter Right. Uh, Imagine like. uh, Toilet flush. You know what happens over there. Like it siphons down. And there is a vortex kind of thing. Yeah. So a similar thing kind of happens with the neutron star. Right. It siphons matter from the star into it. And this thing technically is called accretion. And when this accretion happens. It emits a lot of radiation. But most of it happens in X-rays. So what I do. What my work was was to uh, detect those X-rays that comes from a system like that, a binary system like that, and, uh, yeah, do uh, loads of fun stuff with that (laughs) X-ray.
0: So, So, yeah. Like what fun stuff?
1: Ah, What are the things that we are looking, Mm -hmm. right? There are two particular things that you can see in a system like that, right? Either you can see how that system is... So, you look at these things called light curves, meaning how the brightness is... Okay? And... Or, like... Through time, and that tells you a lot about what is like how fast is it orbiting, right? The, the star that mm-hmm. I was looking at one a one two four six five eight the name is the same, <laughs> right? As was a beautiful dimensions. Yeah. So uh, the star that I was observing, or rather the binary system that I was observing, had an orbital period of around a day.
0: A day. So, it would complete one orbit around its sun yes. star. In so, one, one
1: year would be worth one day.
0: More Super than fast. Fun. Saying fast would that's, be another statement. Very fast. Just yes. imagine.
1: You will have uh, your birthday every day. Wow. So, just imagine. <laughs> that that would be
0: fun. One specific minute of the day is yeah. your birth minute. Yeah. You would have birthdays. Yeah. You would have birthday. But minutes. then nobody,
1: nobody, nobody celebrates one
0: minute. One minute of uh, your birthday. Hey, hey, happy birthday. Hey,
1: hey, happy birthday. So, birthday is a day.
0: Right. Okay. And almost a whole day. When so, you're talking about light curves, is it? <coughs> yes, uh,
1: yeah. so when we're looking at light curves, what we do is we look at X-ray light curves. Okay. Right, because when these things, they accrete, they emit a lot of radiation in multiple different wave bands or rather in the whole electromagnetic spectrum, in multiple different wave bands like they emit in radio, visible, infrared, UV, but most of it, the majority of it happens in X-ray. Okay. Right? The peak happens at x So what I do is, I look at those X-rays. And uh, what you get from that is, you look at the orbital period, you can get the orbital period using X-rays only. So when I plot the light curves, I use X-rays. X-ray light curves. I mean x okay. right? Now Okay. There now, there is a bit of gamma rays as well, but it's not as much. But most of it is X-rays and that's why they are called X-ray binaries. Because binary, because there are two stars it in it. Us. And X-ray, because they peak at x Right? And uh, yeah, I mean that, and then we look at the spectrum as well. Meaning that uh, Newton, yeah. jo kiya tha the prism, ke saab, that whole whip thing. So we look at the whip gear of X rays, right? And that is, I would say, much more fun than looking at the light curves because light curves. The amount of things that it can tell you is quite limited compared to the things that you know you can see from the spectrum. Where the spectrum tells you what is the star made up of. Okay? What is the host star made up of, what is the neutron star made up of. Uh, we see a lot, a lot of radiation from nuclear fusions or rather nuclear like Hiroshima Nagasaki kind of explosions happening on the nuclear on the neutron star's surface every second.
0: Every second.
1: Yeah, every time something falls in. Matter falls in; it emits a lot of X rays. Why? Because there are nuclear explosions happening at the on the surface of the neutron.
0: Also, talking about yeah. going back to when we talk about how the orbital period is just one day, yeah, which is really fast. Mm-hmm. So, won't the neutron star just like oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. go out and just along yeah, it due to uh, the tidal forces? Of, uh, the thing that
1: you, if I'm getting you correct, what you're talking about is centrifugal force that is yeah. causing the neutron star to fly off. Yeah,
0: uh, not fly off, but it will. Like, but it
1: can. Elongate into, into, yeah. Yeah, so elongate as in the orbit, you mean? Yeah, like orbit, it will
0: orbit? it will stretch a little bit. So the, the, the dimensions it's of the neutron star or the... The dimension of the neutron star. The
1: dimensions. So the thing is that uh, because it's so dense and uh, it is like a 10 kilometer sphere. I mean, that's yeah. like Earth itself is what? Like 6,000 kilometers radius. 80 years. Yeah. 12,000 kilometers, that approximately is the diameter, right? This is 10 kilometers. Okay. And it is equal to the mass of the sun all right so if you are like say for example you want to imagine how big the sun is take your fist right if that's the earth then the sun would be the size of a seven ten story building just to give you the idea of the scale right imagine all of that mass concentrated into a point actually more than that but concentrated into a point which is smaller than a city okay so that's the kind of density we are talking about, and when you are when you deal in densities like that, when you deal in concentrated material like that, or super dense objects like that, the gravity is very high, right? So high that it essentially does not care about any kind of setting. Okay. So it maintains the shape of it, right? Yeah. Of course, the shape wouldn't be maintained. Say, for example, you look at. Uh, tidal effects in Jupiter's moon yeah right the shape is not maintained why in Jupiter's moon so we're like Io is it stretches a lot right why because there's a lot of tidal effects from Jupiter Jupiter is huge has a lot of gravity so the the side of Io that is actually pointing towards Jupiter right experiences more gravity than the side of Io that is not that is facing away from Jupiter Right? So, there's quite a lot of tidal stretching that happen, right? But then the neutron star is so dense that this tidal stretching is negligible. Rather, the host star has a lot of tidal stretching. Oh, wow. And that okay. is the reason why matter siphons in from the host star into the neutron. Okay. Right? Uh, there is this thing called roche lobe overflow that we oh, yes. kind of need to take care of. It's basically a dumbbell kind of shape that forms around two orbiting objects. Right, you have one object in on one end, one center of the one lobe of one of the dumbbell, and the other object at the other center of the other lobe of the dumbbell. Right, if any matter from the one any either of those stars exceeds that limit, okay, exceeds the shape of the dumbbell because the uh, lobes are equal sized. Right, both the sides are equal, equally big. Right, so if one of them is too big and another one is very small. So anything that is beyond the tumble, what happens is when that thing overflows, when there is any matter which is outside the Roche lobe, right, it flows into the neutron. And when that happens, right, we have this thing called decretion. And this, this lobes, these two lobes, they change in sizes based on how far the neutron starts Now, say for example, if we had a neutron star, okay, same case in our in our solar system. If we had the neutron star which is at the distance of say Pluto then we wouldn't have any kind of it okay. but if we had a neutron star say closer than mercury okay. in, in case of our sun then we would have easy equation. and then what we would see in our sky is two big jets <laughs> and a lot of x-ray
0: and I, i'm pretty so, sure we would see that for uh, like 2 seconds before no, no, everything no. goes back no no, no no we
1: will we will see that for several i think so these are not these are not uh, called uh, these are not like happens for like a week or not like supernova that goes off and then stays there for like a week or two or something like that these they go on they go on for way longer than that. like two years three years four years five years it can be anything depends on how close the neutron and the fun fact there are certain times when the neutron star can be
0: inside the host star as well wait but if it's if it's inside the host star, it is the host star. Like, how is it separate from yeah, the host star yeah, then? Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's not. <laughs> and the thing is, it does not show up on our detectors. Right? No, because it's
0: inside the stars. It's inside the, st- it's inside
1: star. the stars. But, yeah. but, 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 we see, when we look at the spectrum of the star, we see a lot of, you know, variations in that spectrum. Variations, by variations I mean, a lot of absorption happening. Then, a lot of distortion that's happening. Then, we see a lot of an unusually large amount of x-rays because when it's inside the host star right it's accreting a lot of matter right why does and it
0: need to accrete the matter it's yeah, it's
1: inside but then yeah. matter is falling in na, at the end of the day it's falling into the neutron
0: star from inside the star
1: yeah I know <laughs> I know that doesn't make sense but there are there are objects like that out there as well and but most of they are very rare and you don't see them every day and uh, you need to look at the spectrum. So one of the reasons why I say spectrum is much more interesting is you can see stuff like that in the spectrum of the star, right?
0: You won't see that in an optical spectrum. of.
1: No, you won't see it in an optical. Yeah. You won't see it in uh, X-rays and UV, mostly in UV. You will see those distortions, right? Yes. It will look like a normal star, right? When you look at the spectrum of the star, it will look like it's, it's just a normal kind of star, right? But when you look at the X-ray and UV spectrum... Right, you will see certain distortions that can only happen when the when there is some sort of accretion happening. But you do not see the companion. So you are like, there is no companion. Where is it but you are saying, where where is what what the <laughs> accretion that's happening? Like, like yeah. where where on earth is that accretion happening from? And to, to what to
0: what yes like to what?
1: And that is when we know key yes these specific objects out there uh, they are actually neutron stars inside the host star. but they are very very rare. And it happens mostly with uh, giant stars. Coming back to the normal stars, there are certain, like there are very, very wide range of things that you can say, like stuff like this, right? Just by looking at the X-ray spectrum of the star. And that is kind of the reason why I look at X-ray.
0: Also, uh, you mentioned Gamma rays. Oh, yes. Before. And uh, I know that you have also worked a great deal in detecting Gamma rays from supernova stuff and things that go oh, yeah, up in yeah, the yeah. sky. That,
1: those, those are my... Post-masters.
0: Yeah, Can you talk a little yeah. bit about those? Yeah. yeah.
1: So, after masters, I was like, These neutron binaries are fine, but uh, the thing is that there are two different kinds of astronomy. Like, uh, there are many different. There are three pillars of astronomy and so forth. But coming to observational astronomy and astrophysics, uh, you have transient astronomy, and then you have non-transient astronomy. Transient means things that you cannot predict. Okay. okay. That's what we mean by transient So say for example If uh, I do it with my students Where uh, if they show up And there is no way to predict when they would show up I'm like you're a transient source you're, you're a transient source Because there is no way for me to tell whether or not You will show up at this particular time Basically it means any source that is not predicted. And non-transient astronomy is everything else So you look at pulsars You look at stars You look at anything which is predictable And then you can see with pulsars, you can see, you know, a very predictable amount of pulses per second. So those things, those fall under non-transient astronomy. And the thing with non-transient astronomy is that you have to write these very, very beautiful human constructs called uh, proposals, (laughs) right? Uh, The data isn't freely available. Whereas in transient astronomy, since there is no way for you to predict from which End you would get or from which direction in the sky you would get the data from you do not need to write these things called proposals so that was kind of the reason why I joined transient <laughs> astronomy because I was like you wouldn't the need to data, write proposals yeah I don't have to write proposals and the data is freely available to <laughs> okay. everybody okay right and uh, there are good sides to it and bad sides to it good sides is uh you don't have to write proposals bad side is now everybody has access to the data and everybody starts to work. So, if a, if a supernova happens, supernova is basically when a star dies. A star, not just any star, like our sun is like meh, but the uh, star, say, if I replace that star with sun, then star which would span the size of almost Earth or Mars star. it's okay. that big. Those are called giant stars. And uh, when these giant stars, red giants, uh, blue giants, Super giant stars. When these stars die, they give out a lot of radiation. A lot of radiation. A lot of radiation. <laughs> but when these stars die, they give out enough radiation to outshine the entire galaxy. For okay. like two weeks. Just to give you an example, if a supernova happened in our galaxy today. First of all, so there is no way for us to predict. So it might happen in the next five minutes. Or yeah. It would look like... It was another star or rather another sun that appeared in the sky. For example, Chinese astronomers, I think it was 1400 or 1300 BC, AD, they discovered this guest star that appeared in the sky for like two weeks. And it was like uh, this another sun in the sky. Mm -hmm. For two weeks. Later on, it turns out it was a supernova that had happened around the same time, and now we see it as this thing called M1, which is known as Crab Pulsar mm. or Crab Devil. Yes. So that's a supernova M1. And just imagine you go out and you will be sunbathing for the whole,
0: <laughs> for whole week. For, for entire the entire two weeks. The, yeah,
1: like every day for the entire <laughs> two weeks. But yeah, it's, 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 it's quite a fun thing to imagine. So the thing is, that's how bright a supernova can get. Uh th- that too it's happening at probably some other end of our galaxy, not even close to our sun. And these things are so bright that within the span of two weeks it emits equal or rather more radiation than sun would emit in its lifetime. Oh
0: wow. So
1: it's like uh for um four, five, six sun is a main sequence, so six, seven billion years. That entire in just two lifetime weeks. yeah. In that two weeks, it emits equal or more radiation than that. Entire light. All the light that sun is going to emit in its entire life can Take that and cramp all, like, cramp. With transient astronomy, the thing is, he, you have to be on your feet. That's what I like. And if the data shows up, if, and these data and everything, that comes to me every day, every almost. I think so. I got three emails today because there were two supernovae that were detected today in some far... Far corner of our galaxy, <laughs> uh, Star Wars reference. In some corner of no, what was it? In some in a far, galaxy far, far, in a, far, in a, far in a, away. In a galaxy far, far away. Yes. <laughs> the first one happened at I think so 11.30 today morning.
0: And, today morning.
1: Yeah. And the second one happened. Uh, I don't know. Like, they haven't se- uh, mentioned the exact time, but probably around six to seven PM.
0: Then why didn't we? Then why didn't? Oh no no.
1: We can't see it because it's in a galaxy far, far away. Right? Okay. If it so it has to in be gal- in the same galaxy? If in it our happens in our, in our galaxy, in any corner of our galaxy, we would be able to. Okay. Right? But since this happens in galaxies that are way in the past, the light takes a lot of time to reach us. That's why it's in the past. Yeah. Uh, it's very dim. So that's why we are not able to see it properly. But if you want, you can look up images of supernovae happening in different galaxies and then there are quite a lot of people who... Actually observe those things. And they can actually see. And there was this one uh, supernova that happened. uh, 1908 to a And uh, it happened in a spiral galaxy. And this is a a supernova that I worked on. And it was so bright that uh, people actually photographed it. Okay. And uh, they sort of... They kind of saw. Like they they saw the whole galaxy. And then they saw a star appearing within the galaxy. And then that was like, oh my God. Basically, I look at those kind of stuff... I look at uh, mostly transient astronomy stuff and look at gamma rays, gamma ray bursts, that uh, the, that, that exact technical jargon that I'm trying <laughs> to use
0: over here. And what do you do? Like, as you said, from x-rays, you can figure out all these fun yeah, stuff. From x-rays from and gamma rays From gamma rays, rays and and what fun from stuff? From
1: gamma rays, first of all, the, the fun thing that you can do is, uh, you can name your photons because we see one of oh, these yeah. photons. So we are like, that's Tom, that's Jerry, and this one is uh, Brutus. <laughs> so, uh, we can name our photons, but with that as well, what we can do is we look at the spectrum. The spectrum tells us stuff like, okay, the star died, what was the muscle? Uh, we talk in terms of energy, right? So, when you are talking to a radio astronomer, they would say, okay, we took our 10 megahertz, 10 hertz, 20 hertz, 30 hertz, very low wavelength you know very high wavelength or low frequency observation right so radio astronomers they talk in terms of hertz Camera ray astronomers x-ray astronomers we talk in terms of energies because after a while like light, light a beautiful thing where it has dual nature oh, it yeah. behaves like a wave in certain parts of the spectrum like in radio and everything it behaves more like a wave when you when go to visible you can explain it both using ray develop well, you can Explain it both using waves and particle. And with uh, X-rays and gamma rays, the frequencies are so high, meaning the wavelengths are so low that it's mostly it mostly behaves like particle. And when you are talking about particles, every particle has an energy, right? And uh, it also has like what you can do is you can calculate the number of particles that are colliding with your detector, right, from that particular direction. So that and that's why what we do is we look at energies all the way to x-rays which goes on to soft x-rays which goes from 0.3 uh, kilo electron volts to 8 kilo electron volts and hard x-rays which goes beyond from 8 to 100 k so you just convert that into you know you convert that into wavelength and then you will get the exact wave uh so that comes out at around 0.2.3 angstroms something like that so, we look at wavelengths that small and what that tells us is quite a lot of interesting things. Like, it tells us what was the composition of the star that died. What is what is the composition of the stuff that, you know, the light had to pass through.
0: It was in between us and the and star that And the died. star,
1: yes. So, we call that interstellar medium, intergalactic medium, right? Because these are happening in different galaxies. Then... The star, the radiation also that comes from the center of the star, which dies, right? That has to go through a lot of matter, which is, you know, which is outside the shell of the star, right? Which is not part of the core. So it has to go through all of that matter. So it tells you how the elements and how the star, what was the mass distribution of the star. These are the things that you can know from just from looking at the spec And... uh, It tells you what was the composition of the star at the innermost region, what was the composition of the star at the outermost region, what is in the middle region of the star, so on and so forth. So it tells you a lot about how the mass was distributed of the star, how the mass of the star is generally distributed, right? That you can connect to sun and be like, oh, so then probably if this star was something like this, if the mass in the star was distributed like this in this big star, probably a similar story would be seen in our sun's case as well but uh, that's the reason why one of the biggest struggles that we have is how do we know that the sun has different layers how do we know that sun is burning helium at the same how do we know what is the uh, metallic or rather what's the composition of the elements within our sun right how is that composition how does that composition change from you uh, from when you go from the center of the sun to the outermost the photosphere that again jargon yeah. Uh, because sun is mostly opaque, right? Light doesn't pass through it freely. You point a laser at the sun, the light won't be reflected, right? So, that's why they call it a black body. I know it's it's kind of uh, like sun, black doesn't make sense, <laughs> but uh, yeah, sun is essentially a black body. It has its own radiation, but it absorbs everything that falls into it. So, that's kind of why we call sun a black body. So, it's very difficult to probe the insides of a star Right, but with gamma ray astronomy, with uh, X-ray astronomy, mostly gamma ray astronomy, what you are able to do is probe those inner regions. Think of it like this: Yeah, he when a star dies, mm-hmm. right? Every big star that dies gives out some sort of gamma ray burst. All hmm. right, and these bursts happen at very specific angles, and they are very very narrow beams.
0: So it happens at specific angles. Yeah, it doesn't happen like a spherical wave. yeah it's a
1: spherical thing yes but what happens is because the star is so far away there is this thing and again it's moving away there is this thing called relativistic beaming that happens so the gamma ray when it comes out from the star it goes out in all the directions right but when it comes to us it appears like a very narrow beam why because relativistic beaming okay length contraction along the line of sight basically Okay, there is all the gamma rays that we see. It's it's basically what happens, like relativistically what happens is uh, it creates an effect that causes it to look like it was two beams of gamma ray bursts or rather, two beams of gamma rays that came out from the star. And the thing is, it all depends on how the galaxy and the star is moving compared to us. Okay, right. So the thing is that... Whenever you look at gamma rays or rather other gamma ray bursts, first of all, there is no way of you for you to predict it. But now, if a supernova happens within our galaxy, all right, and this angle that supernova, the beaming angle, is such that it points towards us, it can fry our entire Earth, even if it passes very close to the solar system—not not even like you know, uh, just just grazes through our solar system. It will fry our entire atmosphere within a few minutes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's again, beams and relativistic beaming. Right. And it will fry. And uh, so if you, if you suddenly start feeling extremely hot <laughs> and your skin starts to melt, it's <laughs> probably a ray
0: burst. So, oh, so then, only if it's in our galaxy. So only that's, if it let's within, hope it doesn't happen. If it's
1: within our galaxy, even if it happens in Andromeda galaxy and the gamma ray burst is pointing towards us then we would see a very bright flash of gamma rays and it will probably nuke all our satellites but uh, again these are very very rare occurrences okay. and uh, these are just two galaxies andromeda and milky way there are trillions of galaxies out there so that's the reason why you see one or two every. okay Right,
0: and even after billions, uh, having trillions of galaxies in the universe, you only get one or two, but but that doesn't mean that they are not happening. They're happening all the time. It's just yeah, that the happening. beaming yes. angle is not towards us. Yes, yeah. Okay. So
1: again, the beaming thing happens for two very specific reasons. One is yes, the gamma ray emits in all the directions, right? But there's a, there's quite a bit of beaming when it leaves the star, and which is further beamed. Because of relative, because okay. of its relativistic motion. So, there are two, th- those different kinds of beaming that happen. Now, you can sort of see that in our detectors as well and that's what's fun.
0: Okay. So, yeah. And you're still going at it? You're still yeah, working yeah. on I papers? Mean, we, we look at ray gamma rays
1: every day and uh, the thing is that with transient astronomy, we, do, we don't just look at one gamma ray burst, we look at multiple gamma bursts. So, one paper, like one of my... The last paper that we did, that had around 100 Gamma Ray Bursts, almost around 94-95 Gamma Ray Bursts. Okay, and these were taken from
0: like all the previous records? Yeah,
1: previous records, previous Gamma Ray Bursts, where we took like uh, similar looking Gamma Ray Bursts compared to our, the Gamma Ray Bursts that we were looking at. That's 19089. So yeah, it was. We looked at similar gamma rays, gamma ray bursts, and similar two-peak gamma ray bursts because then there are these things where you now this is where the light curves come. Light curve comes into play is that some gamma rays have one big peak. So there's a big boom that happens. The brightness goes up and then it slowly decreases over a span of a few seconds. Uh, from few seconds, it can go like, there are long gamma-ray bursts, there are short gamma-ray bursts. Long ones can go up to 100 seconds, 200 seconds, right? Short gamma-ray bursts, and they are usually like The long ones are actually a bit bit dim compared to short gamma-ray bursts, which happen at around one 1 second or rather 0 seconds. 0 seconds is not possible, but uh, from 0 to 4 seconds. Okay. So, sort of like that. Like, that's a time period. It's a very be- small...
0: Time it's a very, very, very
1: sharp burst of gamma. Studies. And also, and, I wanted to ask that yeah.
0: because it's a small time frame, they reach us. They are, gamma is there. Oh, they reach yeah, us yeah. very quickly. Again,
1: again uh, as I yeah. said, the, the supernovae, they happen at uh, for over weeks.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. But uh, since they are so far away, there is this thing called uh, time dilation. That yes. That entire two week duration, because of time dilation, gets compressed to one second, two second, three seconds. something. Okay. Weeks right? And uh, because it's moving far, it's moving very, very fast away from us. The further a galaxy is, right, the faster it recedes. Very fast, like almost 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Most of the gamma rays that we see, they happen at very high redshift. Where redshift and the star farther, is very far they away. Are yeah, yeah, very far away. Right? And that decides, that tells you how fast it's from us. Yeah. Right? So whenever some gamma ray burst happen, happens, it happens at that if we were close to the star if we were close to the if, if we were within the host uh, that stars galaxy we would see the sun the extra guest star in our sky for like three weeks a month probably but for an observer which is very 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 far away from that galaxy they would see it happen within a few seconds okay and yes that's, that's that's kind of what uh, relativity does to the data so there's quite a lot of relativistic effect that uh, we need to account for and uh, all of that again we do it using the spectrum but this thing is done mostly by looking at the spectrum looking at the doppler shift and then as you and then from that telling that this is the time period this is the you know duration of the actual gamma reverse that happened so the actual one might have happened for like a month and uh, we are just seeing all of that happen in like a few weeks or uh, not a few weeks sorry but a few seconds or two seconds three seconds or something like that but there's one interesting thing as well like it's not always that a star dies that we have these things called gamma rebursts, right we have these different kinds of gamma rivers, right when there are two neutron stars for example they oh, are yeah. colliding with each other right we see a gamma reburst. when there are there's a black hole neutron star not really uh, we don't see any gamma rivers we see black we see darkness right but uh, so we
0: can actually see that okay this star was here and now it's gone
1: yeah but <laughs> we haven't actually seen something like that because we have neutron star binaries but uh, we cannot see neutron star binary like we cannot even see see a neutron star because it is that small, right okay. we can see its effect in the spectrum of the host star we can see if that neutron star is uh, absorbing or rather accreting a lot of x rays we can see that right but uh, we cannot directly image a neutron star. Like or we unless the directly... neutron star is a pulsar. Yeah, I mean, yes, of course, like if a neutron star is a pulsar, then it will show up as pulses on the radio spectrum, right? Uh, in microwaves or whatever you want to call it. So we can
0: like uh, use those pulses. So like, okay, right now we are seeing those pulses and now the pulses are gone. So maybe the neutron star was taken in by a black hole, by its probably. binary black hole. Yeah,
1: probably that can happen, but that hasn't happened yet. Because for that, what we need okay. to do is pulsars. Observing pulsars in galaxies far, far away is really Okay, an right. idea for upcoming astronomers.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and uh, James Webb is going to... Oh, yes. Yes, James Webb is going to, what, like 25th? It's launching, 25th? Yeah. And uh, Christmas Eve. So, let's hope everything goes right <laughs> because that guy just got delayed for like, how many? I think some 4, 5, 4, 5 or something yeah. years. I'm not sure how many years. But it has been Delayed a lot, so we hope to you know that it doesn't get too And the launch date is on uh, December 25th, so and I just hope that uh, everything goes well with that. But if that happens, and if they are able to send it and put it in not orbit but in the Lagrange point, topic for another discussion. <laughs> if they are able to do that, then uh, we could see. Pulsars, or other not pulsars, but we could see neutron star binary system in uh, within our galaxy and within say Andromeda, galaxy, right? Because the more the way we see new, neutron stars, just like black holes, have never been directly, in it, right? Because they are very small, and they are very tiny, right? And the only way to see these compact objects is through the immense amounts of radiation that they are giving, uh, in, whether in X-rays, whether be it in radio. If there is a neutron star which is just rotating by itself, these neutron stars they rotate in like what? Uh, they yeah, millisecond pulsars. Yeah, 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 like almost hundred times a second or something like that. Yeah. Right? So these these things they rotate very fast. So we see pulses, and that's how we know that oh there's a neutron star over here right if we see pulses very very specific pulses from a particular direction in the sky we are like okay fine probably there's a neutron star over here right another way of imaging neutron star is when it's accreting matter from another star right Uh, that's when we see neutron stars then given the whole uh, LIGO thing that has come up if we have two neutron stars orbiting or say a neutron star black hole orbiting or two black hole black hole orbiting then we can see their effects in the gravitational wave, like the effect, the gravitational wave that they are giving out, uh, we can see those things within from our telescopes, like with LIGO and ORGO and stuff. So yeah, I mean there is till date there is no direct way of imaging neutron stars, unfortunately. But uh, given James Webb, okay, who you knows? We okay. might get a few interesting results. But then James Webb is mostly in uh, UV, IR, and uh, visible. So let's see. Let's okay. hope for the best. But yeah, I mean, mostly it's very difficult to directly see a neutron star. But yeah, it's just like white dwarfs. White dwarfs are also very difficult to see. But then white dwarfs are what, like, earth-sized. They like take the entire mass of the sun and compress it into the size of an earth, of the earth. And that's how big, roughly, how big a white dwarf is. So they are quite big and uh, they have, they are bright as well. So that's why we are able to see white dwarfs pretty easily, but uh, still, it's very difficult to see white dwarfs. So neutron stars are even more difficult to see, right? Unless you have some sort of interaction. So yeah,
0: that's that's yeah. actually really cool and really interesting. So, so okay, yeah. I also had a few questions, which were in yes. general your experience yeah, yeah, as yeah. an astronomer, as ha. an astrophysicist, as a physicist person in ha. India. Ha. So as you said that you were born and brought up in the city, yeah. and your parents weren't really with you. Venue. In the
1: beginning, In of the, course, the, like the Indian beginning. parents, it's either doctor, engineer, or uh, something. So either <laughs> one or doctor, either one or engineer, Asian parents, if I'm not wrong. Uh, they don't count dentists as doctors, but for some reason, <laughs> yes. but uh, like that. So the career options are pretty limited. So anything <laughs> that deviates from that, you know, specific career path, uh, it would be really difficult for you to get... You know, your parents' approval for <laughs> yeah.
0: that. But, but now they are with but you.
1: But now they are because they are like,
0: So is it not hai, because now they know that you have worked so much in all these research fields they don't and, know, and you, are, they don't know you have about published about papers? At all. Yeah, no? They don't
1: know about it okay, They know that I have worked, they know I have published papers, yes, but they don't know what exactly I work on because the moment I start a little bit of astronomy with them, they are <laughs> like, you are not Do you see? so my both my parents are bankers so okay. they are like do you see us talking about banking and everything with you no not so the <laughs> no, but uh, good, but good still point.
0: apart from that you were able to complete your <laughs> masters you have uh, helped publish so many papers uh, there was one thing which i wanted to ask you is that people think of a scientist uh-huh. as someone who is always like you know in the books and who is always writing equations you know with all oh, those curly things yeah, thanks to media yeah thanks to media India. Okay. so that is what the you know image of a scientist is in for most people, for most but people, how is yeah. it different than an actual scientist?
1: Oh, actual scientist is like a normal person. Eh? <laughs> I mean, we go to the loo, we brush our teeth, we get up, then we think, he why do why does this earth exist? Then we think, he why doesn't uh, everything just get destroyed like. Uh, <laughs> Just because of a gamma ray burst, we pray for a gamma ray burst for like 10 seconds in the morning, in the loop. Uh, then uh, your girlfriend calls and then you're like, oh my god, this is so nice. And uh, then you're back to reality and stuff happens. So, so the thing is that scientists, just like any other person, right? Like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, we are all people at the end of the day. So, you know, we take a shit in the morning.
0: So, But do you think, are there any things which are kind of true to what they show in the media are like are there any eureka moments that happen among not the not science really. community Never? uh
1: the eureka moment uh, the last eureka moment that happened with me or rather the fun moment that happened was uh, when we were working on the last paper and i remember that the way the reason why transient astronomy is so much fun is because when you get an object uh, you have to work your butts off on that and uh, because there are multiple teams working on it so the moment you find something new, the fun part is you now know something mm. that nobody on this planet knows. <laughs> and now it's your responsibility to tell everyone. So that's, <laughs> that's something that I believe is really beautiful and uh, you know, keeps the spirit of science alive. Because just for a few fraction of seconds, you know something that nobody <laughs> on this planet knows. And that is kind of, and which, which, like, of course, there are personal things as well, but uh, that's just a very fraction, that, that fraction of human, that, that that's, you know, that's that's what I live for, you could say, you know, that's, that's, that's what makes science fun, because you have discovered something, you know, you have, you have discovered, even if it's like a very small thing, but you have discovered something at the end of the day, and that's what we, then, then we slog our butts off for like six months, seven months. Oh, wow. And then we try and tell everybody on this planet how exciting it is, which probably only 10 people (laughs) on this planet read. uh, And two people probably find it interesting and they are like, okay, we can do further work on it. That's when we get citations and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's all about at the end of the day, we all want to know where we come from. We all want to know why we are here. So it's just our own way of doing it, you know. Giving meaning to our seemingly meaningless existence. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the reason why we do it. So yeah, I mean like in media, yes, he, the Eureka moment where uh, I think so it was Archimedes yeah. when he discovered that water uh, volume. His, yeah, 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 <laughs> that thing. Uh, his principal, He ran naked through the streets of his town and uh, some people say it was Athens so the evidence is I'm not sure how compelling that evidence is but uh, the town and people say that oh he ran naked through the whole thing because that's that's the kind of that's the kind of thrill that we get you know even if it's like within four or five people it's a thrill nonetheless
0: talking talking about thrill uh, as you just said that sometimes you guys slog for six seven months yeah so, uh, does the thrill stay with you for no. the entire duration? No, no, no.
1: no. That's, that's the, that thrill lasts, uh, until your uh, co-author says something like, yeah, but uh, are you but. sure? And uh, that's when the thrill dies. And then a new thrill emerges. So it's, it's just like. So how do you keep yourself
0: going? That, okay, once you start, you, you detect a GRP and yeah. now you have to tell it to everyone. For that, you have to write a paper. Yeah. And, uh. So, as you said, the thrill dies out after some time. So, how do you keep yourself busy with the paper? That you know what? No, I have started this, I have to finish oh, this. Oh, no, that,
1: that's that's when this thing very interesting human thing that comes up, which is called grit. Ah, so, yeah. uh, it's like even when the world looks bleak and everything is doesn't make sense, you still keep doing, it. and that's where that's how we get to a point, right? The, after a while, you just don't let things go, right. Uh, this is one of the things that I loved about Einstein and most mo- all scientists that I've met till late is that and that's something that I aspire to do is never let go of a problem. Say for example if you encounter a problem that comes up in your mind and you know you're not able to solve it. Don't let go of that. Don't give up the nahi ho whatever, just let it go. No 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 no. You know. Just keep at it and you will find something. Probably something that you expected or probably in most cases something that you never expected. So that's how I believe scientific development and advancement happens. You just keep at it, you just do not let it go. So you keep reminding yourself, hey look, why am I here? What am I doing? What's the meaning of this? And within the that six months, you will have several mental breakdowns <laughs> happens. Uh, you start questioning your existence. why am I even doing this? What's the point of this? Then you take a few days ka break, one or two days ka break low peace then. Okay, so point is you just don't let it go. You know, it's 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 a test of grit. Like how much you can persevere even when the world looks blue. So you just keep doing that and we do it for science, but I believe everybody does it for their own thing. I mean, bankers do it. Philosophers do it all the time. Business people do it. Elon Musk had a beautiful yeah. uh, quote where he said, uh, the fun bit is just that moment. And when that moment passes, you come back to reality. That's when, you know, you actual st- work you need starts. To actual work starts. And that's where you're actually tested. So in order to do, in order to have those fun bits, you have to go through those bits as well. Right. In order to have four, five moments of intense dopamine rush, you have to slog your ass through
0: six, seven one, months. Of- two,
1: three, four months. One of our papers happened within two months, oh. and another one took like six, seven months. One took a year because uh, we were lazy, both <laughs> of us. So we were like, fine let's just you know, let's let others do some work on it, and then we will you know work a bit more on it." But yeah. It's all about the test of grit and how much you are able to persevere that's that's kind of the reason why I be, I believe that science is not everybody's cup of tea and that's completely fine because banking is not my cup of tea music is definitely not my <laughs> cup, of, cup of tea because I can't hold a note and you ask me to slog like even 5 minutes, 10 minutes in music, I'll be like, Are ya, okay, yaar. Okay, yaar. So like that. Art is something that beats me completely. So stuff like that. So you find your niche and just look okay. at just Just find that niche and just
0: keep going. Just keep, keep going. going. Do not stop.
1: No matter what.
0: It's about can... drive. It's about power.
1: <laughs> yeah. I can't say how many times that particular song has inspired me to keep working. <laughs> And I'm like, uh, was like, every day morning, there was a time when I used to listen to similar songs, not this exact song, but I used to listen to similar songs just to wake up and, yeah, you just do it. And most of the time, it's just brain-dead work that I'm doing. Uh, It's just plotting stuff, plotting the spectrum and so on and so forth, and it takes a lot of time. So, what I do is, I do other stuff during that. So, yeah. Yeah, mostly it's just that. But... uh, uh, unlike what uh, the media portrays, it's not like we don't wear lab coats okay? <laughs> uh, we are we don't we all most of us have but we don't have spectacles, right? Uh, we don't look you nerdy know, like for God's sake I have tattoos and a skull ring.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, stuff like that. But yeah, they they can't see me, so Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, one of my students said that, so you don't look like a scientist. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. What does a scientist look like? You look more but,
0: like Kabir Singh, science version. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> you know, like Kabir Singh uh, my body looks- someday or something like <laughs> that kind of, yeah, <laughs> fellow. But yeah, yeah, you kind of look like that. Uh, yeah, I've been told that actually because one of my uh, professors, he was like, the first time I met you, you looked as if you were some sort of like, uh, like some fellow who did illegal shit and everything. So <laughs> like some dicey fellow who would be like, "Hey, either either a drugs said, fellow. But uh, yeah, I mean like that. But we are at the end of the day we are all people. We are all human. So there is no particular way a scientist looks like we are just normal people. You know? so yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much yeah, for giving me your for time. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Hope you loved the episode. Subscribe to our show and see you next Saturday.